0: following is a presentation of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York.
1: Well, today we are uh, concluding our Open Doors series, which has been so uh, special and meaningful to me, and I know to all of you, uh, to many of you as well. And um, we're concluding it in a way that could not be more special, which is to have a personal story from... Uh, a person who's um, come to be part of the artisan community from quite far away. And if you've been joining us on Zoom over the last year plus during during this um, pandemic time, you probably know Ville already really well. And I'm doing my best with Finnish pronunciation. And um, I have heard a little bit of Ville's story and I cannot wait for all of you to hear some of it, and for myself to hear even more of it this morning. And um, I will let him tell it. I'm not going to give you any previews or anything except to say this. When we respond to the Spirit in inviting more people from more populations into the family of God as it's represented here at Artisan... We see uh, incredible things and meet incredible people who we would not otherwise meet. Thanks be to God. And um, I will now turn it over to Ville Antilla. And he can correct me on that.
0: (laughs) Ville Antilla. Thank you so much. Uh, I just want to say it's, it's such an honor to... Be able to speak here today. Uh, it's it's really special, and it's, it's special to be part of your your church. And I'm going to tell you all about how I how I got to this place. You know, I'm I'm insanely thankful for this opportunity, and uh, I also, especially as a as a conclusion to this sermon series that I absolutely want every one of you to to listen to each of those sermons because they're amazing and being able to conclude it with my personal story is just insane Uh, and and so meaningful to me personally. Uh, I also want to say that this isn't uh, a fancy sermon (laughs) type of thing, it's uh, it's me sharing my story with my friends. That's how I want to, to think about it. <laughs> so, yeah, my story starts in 1983. I'm 37 now, so in a small town in, in Finland. Um, I was born as a third child, uh, in a family with deaf parents, we were also Pentecostal, so I was introduced to uh, Jesus and the church very early on and I was a really good I was a really good kid. I gave my life to Jesus when I was seven I asked my my granny to to pray for me, and uh I even made like a little document of it like I've given my life to Jesus, the date, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I went to church, all the the kids' clubs and youth groups and summer camps. And uh, I got baptized when I was 17. Um, After high school, I went to uh, a Pentecostal Bible school. I went to a mission trip to Bosnia. Um, and and the leaders in the church started to notice, yeah, I'm a, I'm a pretty good guy and, and they can trust me with other things. So I started to lead the youth group Then I became a member of the board and I became, became an elder. Uh, I soon enough, well, during my 20s, I was doing everything in church, uh, except doing the, the main preaching, That's, that was done by the actual pastor. <laughs> but I was doing everything. I was I was leading worship. I was doing uh, leading the youths and uh, directing plays and acting and uh, cleaning and interpreting and stuff like that. And serving in the church was my life all the way up until I was 30. Then I kind of burnt out and moved away from my hometown um, and started uh, studying another another career and left all my church responsibilities. Um, But that, that story, like... On the surface, that, that sounds pretty great. No, it doesn't seem sound great that I that I burnt out by. But I, <laughs> I was a pretty good guy. But what people didn't know was that I was gay. I know, still am. And that puts a whole different spin on things. Um, I started realizing that I might be gay when I was teenager, when the hormones start kicking in. Um, The signs were there when I was a kid. Believe me, (laughs) if you know how to look. (laughs) But but yeah, I started dreaming about guys and having these feelings. And believe me, I didn't want those. I really, really didn't want those. Because I had internalized this this belief from my Christian culture that being gay is is sinful and shameful and disgusting to God so I just I so didn't want to be like that uh that led, led me kind of like first it, it was just a denial. Like I'm not gay. I'm I'm too young. This is a phase, <laughs> you know, uh, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to dedicate my life to, to Christ. I'm going to serve. I'm going to be as good as I can be. I'm going to pray this thing away. Uh, my, when I was a young adult, I was so like black and white. I was so anti-gay, uh, I was judging gay relationships really harshly, but that was me denying the reality of who I was. And years went by and nothing changed. Uh, But the shame stayed, lingered and built up and bubbled over as despair sometimes Uh, I knew enough like it's hard for me to get into that headspace now but I think I was I think I I I believe that I was saved like that wasn't the question but I couldn't be sure if I was loved uh like, I felt that like God, God had to save me. It's like kind of like a technicality. God has to save me if I believe in him. But that doesn't mean that he, he has to love me. Because uh, I hear people saying that, that gay people are disgusting and God, God hates uh, gay relationships. Uh, so... Those two are hard, <laughs> are ideas that are hard to to get in your head at the same time so uh, so how I dealt with that was kind of like i I had to create this split personality it was uh like the real me and the false me i that, that's how i i so, like the real me was what I was being taught, like my identity in Christ. My uh the I'm a new created being, uh that is totally whole and perfect in God's sight, totally straight. Uh and then there's this false me, my 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 old self, my flesh, the old Adam, whatever you call it, that tempted me to sin and and fell into sin. But that was a lie. That was the devil's lie. That's not me, really. I'm this perfect new being. Uh, And those two beings (laughs) lived in tension. Uh, oh my 20s. I didn't come out. I didn't accept being gay until after 30. I didn't come out to my, any of my, my personal friends until I was maybe 29. Uh, and there was like horrible periods of time within that but there were also very good times. Like I, when, when I felt like I was winning, like I was commanding the devil to stay away. Uh, but then there would come some kind of, I would get a, get a dream and that would just mess me up altogether. Like, and I can't control that. I can't choose not to have dreams.
1: <laughs>
0: so, um, uh, There was um I experienced a, a good period when when I managed that this is like when I was 29 probably, 28, 29. I managed to to get the courage to, to come out to two of my best friends. Uh, I came out as bisexual, of course. <laughs> but <laughs> but that meant a huge deal for me, like just being that much honest to my friends and not being judged. Uh, Of course it helped that I, I, I came out as struggling with this and not, I wasn't accepting it. I was like, this is my struggle that's how I came out. But, but being honest at least that much gave me the strength to like, myself together I was I was feeling really good in church I was I was the kind of I was the youth pastor I was uh, doing everything I I beat my my porn addiction well or addiction I had some sometimes problems with porn uh but I I got over that from the strength of that that feeling but what happened next was that, that because I, I had like in in this um, dual personality, I had made the gay part of me a, a, as this very dirty, uh, uh, lust filled thing that really presented in in porn. But when I when I got over porn and just started living, I started. Having feelings for my straight male friends, uh, and that was actually something new to me, and and it totally messed me up because I couldn't I couldn't categorize them anymore to this this uh, dirty thing because it it felt it, it felt so pure if it was love and compassion and caring wanting the best for my friend wanting to be close to him wanting to support him in in the stuff that we was going through and there was nothing bad about that nothing and 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 then feeling and thinking that god would deem that awful. It messed me up in a way that I it, it, it drove me in a in a depression that I I couldn't I was so mad at God in not allowing me to have something so beautiful that other people can have. That, that God would, God would be, uh, in a sense, more uh, interested in my, my so-called purity than, than my well-being. It, it just wasn't fair. Uh, so I went to this, <laughs> this depression. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't imagine a happy future for me. It was just black my my relationship with god collapsed but that was thankfully at the time when when i had got friends in my life and i um i got the courage to move out of my hometown and start start a new life but even in my new life uh in the new city and with friends and, and studying uh the only prayer that I could pray was that Jesus please kill me. Cause yeah. It was too it it was too unfair. I wouldn't I wouldn't wish this fate of being gay and Christian to any anyone. Um so Thankfully, that's not the end of my story. Uh, something happened. Um, actually, something very, very amazing happened. Uh, God personally intervened. And I, I got this experience that I can't, I can't prove. I can't. You have to take my word for it or not. Don't. But it, it, it's a personal experience. It was twenty sixteen uh I was in london my last week i was five spending five months um, in uh, for an internship and it was my last weekend there uh i was m- with my friend at the Wembley Stadium listening to the hill song uh, church's uh, Christmas musical and Christmas songs already make me emotional like uh, yeah, I was I was almost in tears already just just by the message of, of Christmas carols, and uh, then somehow among that, I got this weird sensation. It was the, <laughs> it's this this rush of warmth inside my body like taking over my whole whole body like i was being embraced and i received these words not like hearing them in audio but but i received the the message that god was telling me that that they you are totally and completely loved and accepted just the way you are. And nothing can change that. And that even if you had a boyfriend, that wouldn't change it. And that was the moment that changed my life. That was... a. Uh, it, it, it set me on a whole new path. Uh, I felt this huge weight lifted off my shoulders, this weight of, of, like, I have to be something, like, I have to be single and celibate and to just be okay in the, in the eyes of God. That I have to sacrifice my, my happiness to please God. That all was taken away. And, and, and finally, the 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 unconditional quality of God's love was made unconditional. Cause because I, I had always felt like it was like only 70, 80% for me. Uh, like I had to fulfill something. I had to do something to get to that hundred. And we people, we make that, we make God's love conditional to each other. And that's just messed up. But yeah, that moment on, I felt like I was, was lifted from, from a pit to solid ground. I started running towards God. Like making making God's love unconditional, it didn't make me like, yeah, now now I can do anything. Like I'm allowed to do what I want. (laughs) Like I'm gonna go bar hopping and and start dating guys, blah blah blah. Like it wasn't. (laughs) It doesn't work like that. When you're faced with with the unconditional love of God, it makes you run towards God because He's so good. And that's what happened. I, I I I fell in love with Jesus again. I I started praying again. I started reading the Bible again. I felt like I was like like getting back the time that I lost. And uh, it, it started to produce all this good fruit in my life. Like I I I was more confident. I was more centered and grounded. I felt more at peace. I felt the joy of the Lord. <laughs> I was happy. Uh, I could imagine happiness in my future. So the depression was gone. Uh, and I got that from my friends. Even like they could see that I, I was changing. And I got the courage to come out to my to my I started coming out to my friends more and more. I came out to my parents after that at 33. That's a whole different conversation. <laughs> there was a rough patch, but it made our relationship so much better. Yeah. Um, so, okay, where am I? That's 2017. In July 2017, I, I moved to Helsinki. I was starting a new life. Like I, I got my degree. I got a new job. And I also de- decided that I want to find a new church, a new home, because uh, I was feeling so good with God and, and like with myself spiritually. I want to find a new, new home. And I thought I found it. I, I found a church that... It was a non-denominational uh, church that, that told that it was like, like a family and, and like a home where all are welcome. Uh, I bought that uh, and I, I did my best to, to, to be part of that church. I joined a small group. I, I was immediately open uh, to the pastors of my past and my, my orientation. And I, I thought it was important for me to, uh, to open this dialogue. So I well, imagine that they, they would still be conservative in, in their views, but I want, I want wanted them to, to get to know me and, and, and to understand and just to listen to my story uh, and they did. And they, they, there were good discussions. <laughs> um, some that weren't, weren't, weren't so good, but yeah, I put the effort in, but months went by years went by and nothing really changed and I started getting these other not-so-cool experiences there. Like uh, um, I tried to join the, the music team, but I was told that in order for me to join, because I, I got in, I got it through the auditions, but in order for me to to really join, I would have to commit to their policies, and that that would mean that I would have to stay single and celibate. And uh, even though I, I really want to sing, uh, I love singing. I just like knew that I, I, I can't, I can't like. would felt like I would. Betray what the good thing that God God gave to me, uh, and and just take back back the weight that I was carrying. So no, that was a hard pass. Um, there were discussions where the pastors were like, "Yeah, yeah, it's it's a tough tough thing, and and you really got the short short stick there, but." Yeah, but this is how we believe, and uh, there's really nothing else to it. (laughs) Good luck, and Jesus is enough. And you can't imagine how frustrating it is. Um, There were... uh, I was asked by the leadership team not to be openly gay in our in our uh, church's like messaging platform. Like I got okay. In my own profile, I couldn't couldn't state that I was gay, well, even though I was I was openly gay in the social media by then. Um, and there was this one time the L. <laughs> Most respected elder, when I was, I made the effort because I kind of found him intimidating. I, I, (laughs) I took the, I made the effort to to like I want to get to know like I want him to get to know me, and and similarly like I, I was telling you my story now, I was telling my story to him, and he said to me that. I'm living in a lie that I am I have hardened my heart to the voice of the Holy Spirit and that I would be God would heal me from being gay if I actually wanted it, it like <laughs> and he actually thank God that he wasn't gay himself and that's <laughs> Yeah. Great. Um, but yeah, I I took that for four years, but I'm 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 grateful for that time. I'm I'm really happy that I I stayed the course because that made me learn what it actually means to be openly gay in an unaffirming church. Because before I was a closeted man working in church. And the and the obnoxious thing is that if I was still closeted, I would have thrived in that church. And that's just messed up. But now yeah, I I'm totally I don't know how long I've I've talked but my I <laughs> I want to my real purpose today uh, besides telling my story, was to tell the story of how I found artisan and and how different artisan felt for me like we've now been talking about the open doors like th- this this um, uh, this sermon series open doors and your, your new commitment to to or your well, it's an ongoing thing. But leave, leaving your denomination over this matter, uh, but your doors have been open for a while now, and I've experienced them. And I, I want to give you three memories and three experiences that kind of made me realize it. And the first one is was hearing the difference. And that, that came from just listening to your podcast. I was introduced to Artisan by uh, some blessed soul on a, on a gay Christian message board. I don't know who I think it was she, but I recommended you. And uh, the first sermon that I listened to was by a guest speaker, but it was so good. It was titled, uh, Is Your Salvation Safe? and what a what a good ser- first sermon to hear like i was blown away like they were talking about like safe spaces for gay people in churches and like what <laughs> and uh uh i just kept on on listening and very soon i i i started to notice the difference of what it was to listen to your sermons compared to listening to sermons in, in unaffirming churches. Cause in, in my old churches, there was also so much effort put, like I had to put so much effort in like, um, analyzing everything I had to. Um, Cause I knew that, 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 when statements are made that everyone's welcome, everyone, God loves everyone. I knew that, like, I had to figure, like, like is this, does this apply to me? And what are the, the terms and, and conditions here? And and uh, that takes up so much energy. And just preparing to, to hear something that that, like, Saying that that uh, gay relationships are the epitome of of <laughs> evil, basically that was one time, <laughs> and, uh, and 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 the, on the other hand, like having to listen this this obnoxious celebration of heterosexual <laughs> love and and marriages relationships. Uh, with no consideration of, like, uh, we're actually denying this special, beautiful thing from you guys. But we're still, like, flaunting it all over. It's it's not great. Uh, but when I was listening to artisan sermons, I felt at peace. I felt relaxed. I felt like I could let my guard down. I didn't have to be like on the lookout for where the blows are going to come. And it wasn't like, like I was, I was like Scott's sermons are only the things that I want to hear. Like the, what was the the Bible passage about itching ears? I don't know, but it, it wasn't like that. It was like, I'm actually learning new things. I'm actually challenged. Uh, I'm, I'm being encouraged and I'm being taught how to be a better follower, follower of Jesus. And that was amazing. I was like getting something without having to, to watch. Uh, so that's, that's my memory of how I heard the difference. The second one is how I saw the difference. And um, for that, we go to March 2020 at the start of the pandemic, because that's when I started seeing you guys. Um, it was, it's actually the, the very first actual Sunday service on Zoom. The first one was kind of like a test. So that doesn't count. But the first for <laughs> the first actual Sunday service um, it was actually so nice to start seeing you guys and and I was also already so familiar with Scott's voice and being able to see him it was it was wonderful but um uh, for this actual memory I have to go a bit because because uh, uh, after your uh, before your pro- broadcast i w- was watching my helsinki church's facebook live and uh that wasn't a great experience that time uh, i don't remember what the sermon was about i was i was heartbroken because of the music um and I don't know I don't know why why that time made it like more difficult for me. My, my friend was doing the worship. Uh, my friend who I had talked about how cool it would be to actually be able to sing with her on stage. But there she was singing beautifully. I love her voice with this other guy who, who was acceptable, deemed acceptable by the leadership. And it hit me again, like, I'm never going to be acceptable for them. I'm ne- never going to sing on that stage. And I felt so sad about that. I was sad and angry. And it was a painful, painful experience. So from those emotions, I started watching your Zoom. and Scott was starting it, all the intro intro words. But then then he uh, read the call to worship. And it was from 2 Timothy, chapter 1. I'm going to read some of it. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that lived first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure lives in you. For this reason, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is within you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but rather a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. And, uh, then (laughs) I just broke down. (laughs) I was in tears. I was like ugly crying with my hands on my face. And, uh, I cried for a good while. And, uh, I heard that music started playing. I didn't like what see it at first. I was just just covering my eyes. But then then I lifted my head and opened my eyes. And what I saw was your Anna Voss leading worship with Scott, Pastor Scott, beside her singing Abide. And uh, I saw immediately that Anna was queer. She was one of us. She was part of my tribe. And uh, and seeing someone from my tribe singing alongside a pastor, at the stage of a church that that was so huge i th- i thought it was like the most beautiful thing i've ever seen and <laughs> representation matters it matters to see that your people are actually part of your church celebrated in your church and not hidden not treated as a secret a dirty secret and just allowed to exist but you're actually on the stage and that that made made a huge difference I was already in love with your church but that made me <laughs> like That was a. that hit home. The third memory is. uh, it's. how I experience. uh, it was experiencing the difference in a. as a spiritual experience. And it, it involves communion. Sorry, I'm so like ah yeah better um it's probably April twenty twenty uh got well um, Scar was actually uh, his sermon was about communion and um, we. I love the fact that we have communion every Sunday. That's so amazing and great and, and uh, meaningful. By that time, Scott uh, talked about communion and uh, we had the communion like a, in a longer format. And that time I, when I partook in it, with my with my dry piece of bread and and a leftover Christmas drink we call gluggy, <laughs> gluggy. Uh, uh I felt strangely moved, and I was tearing up. Uh, and I I never do that at communion, like. Uh, I try my best to make it a solemn experience and remember the sacrifice of Jesus and all that. But now I was, I was like feeling something special and uh, I want to understand why that was. So I, I went uh, through my head, like what was happening? What, what was different from all the time before? Cause I had partaken in communion for thousands of times and I had blessed communion myself and, but I think God led me on a path that made me understand it. I could recognize three walls in my life that had been in front or between this this better experience. The first wall was in my relationship with, it, with myself. Before, when I was a closeted gay man in, in a Pentecostal church. I was dealing with this shame, dealing with feeling unworthy and unlovable. And that, that poisons your, like, that's not how you're supposed to feel. The second wall was in my relationship with God. Because I, I believe wrong things about God. I, I, I believe that God thought that, that my, my feelings towards guys were this horrible, dirty, uh, evil thing that I had to fight against, that his love was only coming to me if, if I committed to, to staying away from those feelings and thoughts they They were so false, but they they made me me uh, they affected my my relationship with God in the wrong way but my my whole uh awakening awakening <laughs> experience in london uh that that made the the two walls go down they were destroyed like i was I was feeling like like there was nothing between me and God, and we were like this, <laughs> but there was still this third wall, and the third wall was the church, and I realized that before I had only been part of churches where I had to be afraid. I had to deal with not scared, but feeling uh, fear of my future, like if of being accepted of like, how long can I last here? Like if I, if I dare to put down roads, when is it going to come that they're going to rip them out? Uh, and that's not a safe and healthy place to be so it's no wonder that that wasn't the place to to feel connected that much but now that I was an artisan i had no doubts about my full inclusion, that I was absolutely loved, and it wasn't only in in words and marketing phrases, but I had experienced it already. And that type of love it drives out fear, where you can be uh, you can be openly. Openly yourself, and then, and you don't have to have your guards up, and you you can, you're allowed to trust people, and trust in the in the community, the love we have. And I realized that that was the first moment I actually felt that I was part of the body of Christ. Uh, I'm not saying that I wasn't before, but that was the moment I felt like this is how it's supposed to be. You're supposed to be in a church where you don't have to be afraid and where you feel safe. And that's what I found at Arson. And I'm so happy that I did, and I'm also also kind of sad that there's so many many of of my people who who don't have this they don't have like I can't invite all my all my Finnish friends to join like it's not so <laughs> easy for everyone to just. Dive into an English-speaking church, four thousand miles away, but and there's there's so many of us who like (laughs) who love Jesus and who want who who long for this this local church home, but they can't have it, and that's that just sucks. Major time. And there's something I, there's so much that I want to say about that, but I think that not, not everything is wise to say. One of the things that I want to say is that that for churches who are, who are unaffirming, uh, that the most sacred thing in your church is not your Bible, it's not your tradition, it's another human being who is created in the image of God and who you are commanded to love by Jesus. Mm-hmm. And love is difficult sometimes. It demands that that you take the time to get to know the person, to understand him, even though he or she may not look the way you do or (laughs) has a different orientation than you. You have to try and understand And the most important thing is the only thing that matters is faith working itself out through love. Nothing in your book goes before that. I love the the Bible. But the Bible is supposed to make you love better. And if you're getting it wrong, you're getting it wrong Maybe it's smart for me to step now. I'm so happy that I got this opportunity. I have no idea how long I've talked, but let's get to communion and share, break the bread together. Go, Scott.
1: Oh, wow. To make sure that you could see your church. And um, when it's safe to travel, I think we're going to pay for your flight from Helsinki to Rochester. So you can come and share with us in person and sing on the stage with us. Um, And we love you. Thanks be to God.
0: For more information, visit us at artisanchurch.com.